Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. Shalom, Boker Tov. Good morning to our friends and partners, those who are visiting this podcast. We greet you, Mega and Rav. Blessings from the Promised Land, the land bridge between Asia, Africa, and Europe, where it all began, where it's going to end, right here, the land of promise, the land of testing. Glory to God, the land flowing with milk and honey. We got some fresh milk and honey flowing your direction with this podcast. We are in part three of the divine initiative that God has given me, and it's called Define the Front. A few weeks ago, I was with a group from California. God bless them if they're listening today. And I was in the early morning shakar blackness. I was given a vision of the Lord, the commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven, in heaven. And around this meeting, so to speak, around this gathering that I suddenly found myself in, was these warrior great angels. A lot of activity, a lot of warfare going on. Hallelujah. And it was not damage control. It was tactical, supernatural, offensive maneuvers that God is doing in these last hours. And I could see in my peripheral vision, the Lord, the commander-in-chief, Yeshua, Jesus, standing next to me. And he then pointed out to myself and these warrior great angels, and he highlighted this scroll a phrase in three parts of the scroll, which is define the front, define the front, define the front, which means explain, categorize, let people know where the true front is that we need to direct our faith in this hour and not be wasting our time in other battles or skirmishes that are not the forward progression of the kingdom of God right now. Hallelujah. And you can go back to our website and look through those different emails. This is part three. So that's to get you up to speed. And where we're going today with this podcast, define the front. Hallelujah. And let's move forward right now. It says here in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, this general epistle that was sent throughout the early church. It's a wonderful chapter, wonderful letter, the book of Ephesians. Breathed by the Holy Spirit through the penmanship of the Apostle Paul. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Hallelujah. And if you need some strength this morning, it's not from your early morning coffee or cappuccino. Glory to God. It is the strength, hallelujah, of his resurrection power that is resident within every believer that loves the truth in this hour. Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist an evil day, and having done everything to stand, stand firm. Hallelujah. Now, I love the linguistic key to the Greek New Testament. By Zondervan, I encourage everybody to buy one. Use it as a resource in your Bible study. 
because English is not a great language for translation of the, Bible, of the mysteries of the kingdom. That's why Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew was used. So the linguistic key to the Greek New Testament, commenting on this verse, says, um, basically, it's so powerful. When stand firm against the schemes of an enemy, it's a military word indicating to take over, to hold a watch post, it also means to stand and hold out a critical position in the battlefield. Hallelujah. Not to give up, not to slacken. Stand, put on, not your armor, put on his armor. Hallelujah. Why? Because our arch foe, the enemy, is filled with craftiness and scheming. It says we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Keep on getting that in your mind this morning. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood. We're not wrestling with people, okay? We are wrestling with fallen demon spirits, fallen principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, okay, that know their time is short and are consolidating for one last stand here in the Middle East. And that's where the front is, brothers and sisters. He goes on and says here, hold out this critical position on the battlefield. Why? Because this wrestling is a hand-to-hand combat. It was a wrestling characterized by trickery, cunningness, and strategy. And so I mentioned in the last broadcast to you guys about did it enter you, about fasting from entertainment and from movies. Why? Entertainment enters in to attain you. And if you feel like you've been slimed or you got a stronghold in your mind or your flesh through entertainment, uh, dark, sinister, sliming forces have come in, that you're living in secret sin. You're, you have a problem with pornography or lust or uh, action or video games or sports or whatever your entertainment mode that has gotten a hold of you that has superseded your prayer life and your devotion to Him. Come on, folks, it's time to flush that out of your system. Glory to God, and I encourage you to listen to the last podcast about how to do that. Why? Because the enemy is looking to set up um, snares in this hour. This is very, very real, folks. This is just like the commanders I spoke to that were in the Gaza Strip exactly a year ago um, and cast iron, Operation Cast Iron, to drive out the Hamas and to bring down their missile launchers. And so it was during this operation that Hamas, okay, which is the word for destruction or violence, okay, they're, they're just puppets of the enemy, and they manifested these tunnels, these hidden trap doors, these snares to capture more Israeli soldiers and blackmail our country, okay? And the soldiers were quite aware of it. Hallelujah. And none were captured, thank God. We have enough POWs and MIAs right now. Enough Christians that are missing in action. Enough warriors that have skewed off. It is time for the men and women of God to rise up. Hallelujah. Because all it takes for the triumph of evil is good men and women do nothing. So we see this tactical cunningness and strategy manifested. We see this same same thing manifested uh, on Christmas Day. Again, you know, a few years back we had the shoe bomber from Al-Qaeda that tried to blow up the airplane with uh, explosives in his shoe. And was stopped, okay, on Christmas Day. And now we have another young Nigerian boy, okay, who is from a very wealthy family, okay. Demons get a hold of him, and he um, picks up special um, 
undergarments laced with explosives, tries to set them on fire to blow up a flight on Christmas Day again. Okay? Delta flight into Detroit. And so people think, look at it. He got past all of the, the great uh, intelligence, all of the billions of dollars being thrown at security and airport security and counterterrorism and electronic surveillance and all this stuff. It, again, was a failure. We can't rely on technology, brothers and sisters. We can't rely on high tech. We can't rely on just natural security to stop this thing, okay? Because we are dealing with principalities and powers. That's why we need Christians, come on, to ramp up in this hour and to attack. Hallelujah! We need these Davids to come out of hiding, so to speak, out of the places where they've been rejected by their brothers and others and rise up because they have battle experience against lions and bears and go and take on the Goliaths in this hour. So brothers and sisters, the world is waiting for the champions, for the Holy Ghost judges, men and women, to rise up in this hour and drive back the last enemy, which is terrorism, the fear of death. Okay, so we're in this canning craftiness. And um, if you look at it, I mean... Israel has been dealing with us for years and decades and decades, and we have incredible favor here with different units and their commanders, okay, hallelujah, that they're highly trained. The best counterterrorism forces in the world are here. They're highly trained, but they still are humble enough to realize that they need spiritual help. They need people that can get a hold, hallelujah, of the throne room of God, hallelujah, and call down justice. They can move in Holy Ghost words of knowledge and words of wisdom, hallelujah, and to target the enemy and to expose him, glory to God, that God can get glory for himself. And so, um, you know, we live in a secular world where uh, a lot of secular humanists, dominate governmental situations and you know they just oh that's by chance and this is by chance and whatever let me tell you something brothers and sisters it's time for us to move in the power of god hallelujah move in the judge's anointing now it's interesting this whole anointing of the judges and counterterrorism is focused directly around the holiday scripture of god with us emmanuel emmanuel you know that song okay in chapter 7 and chapter 9. So what's embedded in chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 9 of Isaiah, where Emmanuel is mentioned, God among us, a son is given, is why did this scripture come forth? Well, the primary reason that the scripture came forth was not a Christology scripture. That was later used in Matthew. It's wonderful. But its primary purpose on the ground was given, okay, to a backslidden king, Ahaz, and given to the people to encourage them why? Because terrorism was banging at the doors of Jerusalem and Judah. You can read that in chapter 7. So that's the hour that we're in right now. We must define the front, okay? And let's define this front to you. I, you know, again, we have to recognize that the fundamental school of Islam, whether it be Sunni or Shiite, has declared a perpetual war on our Western culture. It's not rooted in political science. It's not rooted in social differences. It's not rooted in the gap between the have-not Muslim people and the affluent West. Okay? It has nothing to do with the various world disputes of imperial powers, colonization. It's not even really the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which are often held up by these people as symbols of injustice. These extremists, okay, 
and let's say extremists, they've gone to the extreme. They've allowed themselves to be possessed with the spirit of hell. That's, what, that's why they're so extreme. That's why we need extreme believers who allow themselves to be possessed with the spirit of God from heaven in this hour. Hallelujah. Do you see it? Listen, if the Gadarene demoniac could have a legion of demons, why can't we have a legion of the Holy Ghost? If Romans chapter 1 says God gave them over to an unclean spirit, they're talking about the Sodomites, why can't God give us over to full possession of the Holy Spirit? He wants to. Hallelujah. That's the beauty of Gethsemane. That's the beauty of the desert experience. That we as a desert shepherd warrior guide, your tour guide, hallelujah, want to encourage you as you're going through your desert time, going through different situations, to maximize that moment to get more of the Holy Ghost in your life. Hallelujah. Because when you get the first infillings of the Spirit, you're not led off to a miracle ministry. The first infillings of the Spirit from a fresh baptism Jordan River experience or uh, <clears throat> repeated fillings of the Spirit is the Spirit drives you into the wilderness to be tested hallelujah you just read about it in mark one and then you return to galilee in the power of the spirit so learn those ebbs and flows of the infillings of the spirit the drivings of the spirit the testings hallelujah and coming back in the miracles of the spirit and brothers and sisters i'm talking about miracles of the last days not just healing miracles not just words of knowledge i'm talking about um works of power energia works of energy of power in the last days for God to show himself God. And this is what we're moving into. Hallelujah. And this is why we have such favor with different security forces and units here because they see this happening. Hallelujah. We've got to raise up more people out there in the West. Come on, folks. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit's saying this morning. And so we see here that these extremists, these those that have given themselves over to this demon spirits, doesn't matter if they're rich, okay? Doesn't matter if they're poor. Doesn't matter even what side of Islam, Sunni or Shiite, they loathe, they hate everything the West stands for in their religious orientation, the philosophy, the way of thinking, the values, okay? And they're willing to lay down their lives to extinguish it. Until you get that in, deep in your heart, okay? You're going to walk around and listen to these, these yahoos on the different um, airwaves and channels that tell us, well, we just need to be moderate. We, we need to work with the moderate Muslims, you know. We, ne we need, need not have any profile. Let me tell you something. If I was in charge of Homeland Security, everybody who was a Muslim would be on a different line and different screening process before they went onto an airplane or train, okay, or mass transit. Why is that? It's because Israel does it. LL Airlines, okay? If you, if you get in the line and your name is Mohammed, okay, or Abdul, you're going to have a different treatment, a different security screening, and a different uh, battery uh, set of answer, uh, tests and answers and interviews, okay? And then if your name is Yosef or Shlomo or, or Yaakov, okay? Why? It's because El Al knows. And when is America going to wake up? When are we going to finally wake up? It's not about offending Muslims, it's about security, it's about safety, it's about being wise and not naive in this hour. So we as believers... The government's not going to do it. The government is going to continue doing what they're doing, okay, as they move it into this one world order and uh, one world religion, this uh, adaptation of let's just, you know, love everybody. And we got pastors out there that are preaching the same Winnie the Pooh message, okay? Folks, we need to rise up, and that's why you're listening to this broadcast. Now, let's go keep on going on here. If these people are willing to lay down their lives to extinguish Western culture, for the most part, is the Judeo-Christian standards, okay? 
Where are the believers that are willing to lay down their lives to extinguish this onslaught, onslaught from hell? Hallelujah. That's why you're listening today. Let's move forward. Um, Al-Qaeda believes that any devastating attack on big U.S. cities are the key to smashing America's wealth and strength as a leading Western superpower. Now, why would Al-Qaeda attack America more than other countries? Because America is the number one financier of the gospel worldwide. Okay? I know there's a lot of problems in America. Let me tell you, thank God for America because they are sending out the money and the missionary support to bring the gospel worldwide. And they've been doing that. And that's the only reason God's blessings are still in our, our nation. And But the balance is being weighed with the abortion and all the other things happening. Thank God America is a great vehicle God has raised up to bless Israel and to bless the nations with the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's why Al-Qaeda is targeting it. So it's time to wake up. It's time to not be naive. Now it goes on and says here in this article, um, for its activists, these extremists, the jihadists, civilian airliner jets are preferred weapons of mass destruction because of their vulnerability and because Western security is full of holes and easily misled by its own preconceptions. Most of the Western media covered the failed attempt by this young Nigerian on Christmas Day to blow up the Delta airline over Detroit, mulled in wonder over the discovery that the bomber was no wild man from Tora Bora, Afghanistan, okay, or a poor boy from wretched Baghdad, Cairo, okay, or some slum. Instead, he was a rich and privileged Nigerian banking family who could afford to send him to the prestigious London College University, study engineering, allow him to, the freedom to choose what he wanted to do with his life. Why he chose to martyr himself as a terrorist defied most Western pundits, showing that very little has been learned from the way Al-Qaeda evolved from 1987. Okay? So why are the Western pundits showing so, <laughs> so little wisdom? Because again, brothers and sisters, come on, they need our help. It is a spiritual battle. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. How do you keep a young man or a young woman from wanting to destroy themselves and, and, and become a serial killer and kill many others, okay? It is an entry of a demon spirit. And we have authority over these spirits of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And God wants us to rise up in this hour. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm getting excited talking to you about it. Now, uh, there's two elements uh, that we need to look at what Al-Qaeda is doing, Okay. Working for them, number one, is good intelligence and patience. They have the patience to look for the loopholes in a system, and they have good intelligence. So you say, what is their good intelligence? Well, it's demonic-inspired ideas. It's schemes of the devil. It's demonic entrepreneurship. Okay? And with that is the patience to wear down the West and look for other things to do. Okay, so <clears throat> most counterterrorism analysts in Israel believe that Osama bin Laden will not rest until he attains his goal, which means that war on terror will not be resolved in the battlefields of Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, or Palestine, but in the Pentagon, Washington, and the authorities safeguarding international civilian air travel. Al-Qaeda is in no hurry. Seven years elapsed between the first attempt to destroy the Trade Center and the final calamity. Therefore, the jihadists will patiently repeat the young Nigerians' failed attempt until they succeed. 
Taking this into account, U.S. and British law enforcement authorities must now confront their own deficiencies and put them right without delay. But first, they must answer some tough questions. Okay, and I encourage you can read this Depka article from uh, the Rich Jihadists Prove Western Anti-Terror Measures Don't Work. Okay, from yesterday, the DepkaFile.com. Now, what I'm trying to get at is to show again. Not ineptness, and we have good people working in homeland security. We have good people working in intelligence and counterterrorism. We have a lot of hardworking people, okay, that have dedicated themselves to protect innocent civilians. But, brothers and sisters, it's time for the church to rise up. It's time for us to put on the full armor of God. It's time for us to define the front. Hebrews chapter 2, the final battle of time is against the last enemy. Hebrews chapter 2 says, is the fear of death. And, you know, for some reason, for a couple of years now, I've just been kind of, kind of curious why believers are not catching this, why believers can read this and still not become offensive-minded to take out terror. And I really believe that the Lord has given me the key to that. Again, this morning as I was praying about that to share with you, I want to define what is the front. I've just spoken to you briefly now. What is the demonic front that we have to define, which is terrorism? and the fear of death of the last days, and we must rise up as modern judges. You can find a lot more information. I've talked about these things and the miracles on the website at flashfloods.com. I want to talk about now another mysterious front that God has initiated, that God has ordained, that is in itself terrifying. Okay? And if you look at Isaiah chapter 6, we have a prophetic word and a lot of people just want to camp around Isaiah chapter 2 that in the last days the Lord will you know raise up the house of the Lord and many people will come streaming to the house saying let's go up to the mountain of the Lord may teach us his way why because um, you know the word will go forth from Jerusalem idea being a light to the nations the nations coming up well the nations are coming up not necessarily brothers and sisters for a miracle experience it says they're coming up to judge that he may render decision. Again, the spirit of justice. They'll beat their swords into plowshares. Okay? Implements of war made in agricultural implements. And nation will not learn war again. Well, that's not happened yet. That's not going to happen until Yeshua returns. Now, what's interesting is that hope and that desire is on the center of the most humanistic organization, anti-Christ, anti-Semitic organization in the world, the United Nations. It's on the, over the front doors there in Midtown Manhattan, this very scripture. So again, let's... Put that on the shelf, okay? Yes, the nations will come up and will come to learn not learn war no more, but right now that is not the emphasis of the kingdom of God. We must define the front. And so the front being defined is here in Isaiah chapter 6. Um, Isaiah is caught up. He sees the Lord of hosts. He sees the serpent um, at the year King Uzziah died. The first thing he noticed is, woe is me, I'm a man full of sin. I live among people full of unclean lips. And an angel came and touched his mouth with a coal from the altar, said, your, uh, your iniquity is taken away, your sin is forgiven. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. And then verse 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And many of your hearts today are yearning, Lord, here am I, send me. Okay. And what was the mission, the operation he was sent on? He said, go and tell those people, keep on listening, do not perceive, 
Keep on looking. Do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. And I said, How long, Lord? And he said, Cities are devastated without inhabitant. And yet verse 13 says there'll be a remnant left over. Now, let's look at this. We have been drilled, and we have been hammered, and we have been, in a, one way, brainwashed, okay, that God is good all the time, God is good, without understanding that God's definition of his goodness is different than our definition of goodness. Yes, God wants to heal. God wants to open blind eyes. He wants to open deaf ears. He wants people to, have, to understand him. He wants people to flow in the knowledge of who he is. That's a give me. We all understand that. But we also need to jump to the other side of the spectrum and understand that Isaiah is being commissioned here with a message of an anti-miracle ministry. I mean, come on, folks. Do you have the ability to believe this? Or are you going to write this off? You know how many shepherds, pastors I know that can't even hear this message? Okay? Because it goes against the grain of everything they've, they've thought that God has spoke to them. Let's be people of the word of God. Come on. Hallelujah. So, we see here that the sign of God doing something new, the glory realm being revealed, the purpose of sin being washed from the lips of Isaiah, was so he could go and preach a message that would cause people not to believe and not to be healed. Why? Because in God's sovereignty, the Jewish nation at that moment had come, their iniquity had come to a place that God knew they were no longer that generation was going to listen. And so God is the one who finished it off. God is the one who rolled it up. God is the one who shut it down, okay? And he was going to bring destruction in. He was going to cause people not to be able to hear what the prophets were saying. And he was going to destroy it, let, yet leave a remnant left over. This is found in Matthew chapter 13. They asked Jesus, the Messiah, why do you preach in parables? Why, do you, why is it a mystery? Why are some of the things you're saying a riddle? He says, I preach this to keep you out, that the words of Isaiah could be fulfilled. And he quotes the same prophecy. So the idea of parables is not just a literary genre of the time, okay? It was purposely employed by Yeshua to cause the people to keep them in the dark, to keep them insensitive, to keep them hardened, okay? Because he knew it was in their hearts, that he may raise up his own remnant, okay? So there was a remnant there that he revealed these things, and it, he rejoiced in that, that the Father had given this message to the wise and simple, but kept the intelligent out. So when you're dealing with demonic warfare, when you're dealing with taking out Satan, you know what it says in Luke 10, uh, Jesus rejoiced greatly. Why did he rejoice greatly? Because God had hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and given them unto the babes. Given what unto the babes? Well, when they were out in, in, uh, in uh, Matthew 10 and also in the reference in Luke 10, when they're out there, he sent out the 70 and they're casting out devils, healing the sick, and uh, raising the dead, freely giving, freely receiving. Awesome. Hallelujah. That Yeshua said, when they turned back and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Because there is a joy. And he wasn't telling them not to rejoice about that. He would just tell them to rejoice more that their names recorded in heaven. And he says, when you guys were out doing that, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Linguistic key brings out the present passive. <clears throat> uh, the tense here, basically, 
Now, what's beautiful about this, he said, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And the imperfect points to what was constantly repeated, meaning every expulsion of demons meant the fall of Satan. When those boys are out there casting out devils, preaching, healing the sick, it was bringing down Satan's infrastructure. Hallelujah. And that's why he says, Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. And he rejoiced greatly that this was revealed to the babes and simple. Now, Jesus wants you to operate in this. Jesus wants us to flow in this. Yet Jesus will only give this to those who are moving in the power of humility, scum of the earth, outside the camp, have surrendered all to him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And not incorporating man-made marketing ideas, bringing brass in the temple to grow a local church body. Bringing in humanistic ideas, bringing in business plans, marketing plans, bringing in things of the world to grow a thing, bringing in concerts, bringing in all these different little things to entertain people in a church setting. God is looking to raise up warriors right now. Hallelujah. Now, what I like about all this is that I see a pattern here because it, it, it begins again in the last chapter of the book of Acts that Paul actually quotes from Isaiah 6 again and says, you know what, I'm shaking the dust off from my feet to the Jewish people. I'm going to the Gentiles. And rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites. Okay, so we see here that Jesus came, his own received him not, but such as to him that received him, he gave the power to be sons of God. So there was a shift from the church being Jewish, the church now running with the mystery of God into the Gentile nations. And what preceded that was a visitation of the glory. Hallelujah. What preceded this judgment was not just Isaiah, but Jesus himself preaching a message that keep the people out, yet a remnant would understand. Now, let's reverse, fast forward that 2,000 years ahead right now. Could it be, according to Romans chapter 11, that the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled, as mentioned in the Gospels, that when Jerusalem was recaptured, the Temple Mount area, which could be city of David, Ir David, okay, outside the Dung Gate, uh, and not necessarily the Temple Mount where the Alaska Mosque is right now. But anyway, that's another story, another lesson. Uh, but Israel controlling Jerusalem right now, that that began, what many scholars believe, the end of the Gentiles. And if it's the end of the Gentiles, how did it, it's going to mirror the same way God brought the end for the Jewish people that the Gentiles could come in. If God is about to bring in the Jewish people, and he's going to do it the same way he brought in the Gentiles, then that shows us that there is a new front developing these last several decades that's really maturing right now, where God himself is causing people to preach a message that is anointed from the glory realm, okay? People that have said, yes, Lord, here am I, send me. And the message they are preaching is hardening people's hearts, are causing them not to see, not to hear, not to return and be healed, okay? And that is in the context that of 2,000 years that the Gentile church has had the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit, yet now they've we've seen all the shakings and the falling away, and we see people that just, you know, more interested in seeking God's hand instead of his face and living their type of, their lifestyle of Christianity, their shallow, lukewarm lifestyle of Christianity. Could it be that God's already given them over 
to lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of him? Could it be that the front that I'm defining for you today is the exact front that happened in the early church when Paul says, you know, I'm shaking the dust off. I'm going to the Gentiles and God is going to blind you. And they can, there's no way for them to enter. In God's sovereignty, the people were totally blinded and they could not enter in. Could it be that's happening right now that Gentiles are, 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 uh, who are being boastful, Romans 11 says, okay, and now they're about to, to be continually blinded that there's a new move of God among the Jewish people? Brothers and sisters, these are some things we really need to look at because I see this happening. I see a mystery of lawlessness at work. I see people that want to be warriors, and I see people that don't want to be warriors. And without a doubt, when I talk to these people, it's like a delusion. It's like a hardness of heart has come. It's like no matter how much you talk to them, they're not going to change. And then you look at them and say, what would cause them not to want to go after God with all their heart? Could it be that God has already blinded them? The same way he blinded the Jewish people from seeing the light. Now that he's returning back to the Jewish people and and the front is being defined to you today, you better be careful, folks, because God is sending out a spirit of delusion, error upon those who do not love truth. If you don't love truth and you don't don't want to listen to this trumpet blast that's going out, then you are in very dangerous ground right now. I encourage you to wake up. Come on. Hallelujah. Look up the scriptures I'm talking about. Be a Berean. Look them up and say, wow, I want to make sure that I'm not hardened. I'm not giving over to my own fantasies, my own desires, and miss this great move of God that is now returning back to this last front on earth, hallelujah, which is Israel. Now, it's interesting when Jesus came into Luke chapter 4, as I conclude here to give you this, what this front is, this divine front. Again, let's, let's reiterate, there's really two fronts going on right now. There's the front of the demonic, Satan's last attempt, which is terrorism, the fear of death, okay, mixed with false religion, etc. And that is defining itself even more, and we need to rise up and fight that battle because we have authority over it. Hallelujah. Second, there is another front that God has initiated, which is the front of turning, giving people over. And God, of course, giving people over, Romans 1, to their own sexual perversion. God is giving people over to a spirit of deception, Thessalonians says, who don't love the truth. And God is giving people over that they'll not understand this message, just the way Isaiah was told to preach this message, Jesus preached this message, and Paul preached this message. We're having a reversal. This time it's not the Jewish people being hardened and the Gentiles opened, it's reversing now. The Gentiles being hardened and the Jewish people opened. This is the front we're talking about. And when Jesus preached this, um, it caused people to want to kill him. Just two weeks ago, I was there. I was there at this place where uh, they wanted to throw him off the cliff. And uh, what caused the people that were enamored by him suddenly turn in two scriptures and want to kill him? Well, it says in Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, verse 18, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who were downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. I can't tell you, in my 30 years of walking with him, how many, how many messages I've heard that stop right there. Let's let the Bible interpret itself instead of pulling it out of its own context. So this message, this anointing was upon Jesus to proclaim a certain message. And thank God, it is good, it is his grace, but it's not just a grace message, brothers and sisters. It is a message of justice, it is a message of judgment. It's a message of separation right now. 
So he closed the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him, and began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him, wondering at the gracious words falling from his lips, and they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, No doubt you'll quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here at your hometown as well. Whoa, Jesus is going off now. He's stepping on their toes. Okay, because they were saying, oh, this gracious lip is so beautiful. This is Joseph's son. This is Yossi's son. We remember the stories of him about Bethlehem coming out of Egypt. The wise men, you know, the whole Christmas story, so to speak. We remember him being raised up in our midst. I even have the table that his father, a carpenter, built for me. Look at him. Look at him. He's such a man now. Oh, the miracles we heard about happening down the road in Capernaum. And Jesus says, verse 24, and this is what they wanted to kill him. They, listen, they were amazed by him. And in, he said three things here, and they're ready to kill him. Why? Because the scripture was fulfilled. It was a pivotal point in history. It was a paradigm shift. Whatever terms you want to identify with this, it was a axis, a change from a jerusalem center church to now a world center church and now it the same thing's happening it's going back from a world center church back to an israeli jerusalem center church brothers and sisters it's gonna be like life from the dead hallelujah romans 11 and it says here truly i say to you no prophet is welcome in his own hometown but i say to you in truth there were many widows in israel in the days of elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when great famine came over all the earth, yet Elijah was sent to none of them, only Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. I live in the area where Elijah ministered. I can see in the morning the hilltop area where Jezebel and Ahab used to reign from. Okay? And there was a famine. People, you know, sing that song. These are the days of Elijah. Da, 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 da. Wrong melody. It's not a happy song. The days of Elijah are days of judgment, days of famine, days of looking like Somalia, Ethiopia, bloated dead bodies on the streets, all types of disease rampant, okay, pestilence, famine, darkness. Okay, brothers and sisters, that's the day. Why? Because people were under the judgment of God, God's people. We're not talking about God judging the Syrians or the Babylonians or the Egyptians, okay, or the Canaanites. Or the Philistines or whoever else was left over in that area, this power vacuum of this land in, in between. We're talking about God judging his own people. Yeah, go ahead. Keep being deluded by that heavy grace message. God is good all the time. God is good. And not see the handwriting on the wall in this hour, brothers and sisters. Because I'm going to tell you something. All you listen to and feed, to, feed on is the grace message. Then you're going to have great, well, I can do this sin because God will forgive me. And there's no fear of the Lord. There's no hatred for evil there. You'll be naive, you're stupid, foolish, and not moving in the fear of the Lord, which is wisdom. Now it says here that Elijah was sent to none of the children of Israel during this famine. He said only to the land of Sidon, which is on the Lebanese coastline, to a woman who was a widow. And you know what happened? He multiplied through supernatural provision. Okay? And this made the people so mad hearing Jesus, they wanted to kill him. The second thing was, there are many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. 
And all in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things, and they wanted to kill him, murder him. Why? What, what happened here? They had a great meeting going on. Everybody's full of expectancy, and suddenly they want to kill the Messiah. Why? Let me tell you why, brothers and sisters. Because there was an axis. There was a fulfilling of text. Jesus preached a message to purposely offend them, purposely bring out their hatred, because he knew they wouldn't receive his ministry. And that's what's happened in the West. Jesus is sending his prophets and prophetesses right now, his unknown faceless messengers that are being treated as the scum of the earth, okay? Right now he's doing that, and he's going to cause you to hear a message that's going to tickle your ears. And then when you hear a message you don't want to hear, you'll fill up with rage, reject it, try to push it out, or kill it and silence it. What caused them to get so mad? Well, Jezebel is from Zarephath. That's her hometown, the land of Sidon. And what did Jezebel bring to Israel was Baal worship. Baal means Baal, husband or master. But it was a religion that mirrored the Mosaic law, very close to it. Okay, It was like Baal is known as the Canaanite storm god who brought the rains. So the rains that came to an agricultural-based society, crops would grow in this desert area, prosperity would ensue. But it didn't have the stipulations and the regulations that required the people from the, uh, like the law of Moses did. So Baal worship mirrored the law. It worshiped an entity that bring prosperity and reigns, but didn't have to keep the stipulations of the law. <laughs> Sounds like today, isn't it? It's the, today, it's the preaching of the grace message without the cross. It's preaching prosperity and success in life without the cross and repentance and dying to self, brothers and sisters. That's the message that Jezebel brings in. And if you're a preacher preaching this, you better change because you got Jezebel's got a hold of your loins right now. And if you're a person who's under that spirit of delusion, you need to break yourself free from just immorality, sexual perversion spirit of, of Baal worship, okay? And most people I know that fall into pornography and adultery and sexual sin, it's preceded by a Baal worship Okay, a bail message of prosperity and destiny. Okay, but no fear of the Lord and no repentance attached. That's what Jezebel brings in. That's what she's bringing in now to try to cripple and take out God's servants and handmaidens. So wake up in this hour. Come on, hallelujah. And Elijah was sent to Jezebel's hometown to bring supernatural provision so this lady and her family and her neighbors could be blessed and survive while the rest of the children of covenant are dying. Interesting, isn't it? Are you saying, Brother Scott? Yes, I am saying God is blessing Israel's enemies. God is blessing Jezebel's household. Look at the next verse here. This will bring it out. Verse 27. There are many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, but none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Why is there a lot of lepers in the next generation of prophets that came up? Elisha being a, for, a, uh, a follower of Elisha, excuse, Elisha, follower of Elijah. Very simple. Leprosy in the Bible just didn't, didn't mean the modern leprosy we know today, but also different skin um, uh, uh, diseases and problems. Why did those diseases come from? from? From three and a half years of malnutrition. So there was a lot of lepers, a lot of people with skin problems, 
And none of them were healed except only Naaman the Syrian. He's not even Jewish. Who's Naaman the Syrian? Naaman the Syrian was the commander-in-chief of the Assyrian army who came in a few years later after he was healed under Elisha's ministry to holocaust the ten tribes of Israel in Samaria. And that's why they got so mad at Yeshua, Jesus, and wanted to kill him. What he was saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, okay, and this scripture is fulfilled today, I have been sent to cause you not to understand, to cause God's judgment to come on you, that Jezebel and Assyrian Empire, okay, that brought such havoc on the Jewish people in times gone by, actually was fueled and blessed by God himself because of Israel's disobedience, because of Israel's harlotry, because of her wanting to have a king instead of God being the king. You see, brothers and sisters, there comes a point where God's wrath supersedes any message that you want to believe. God's wrath is fulfilled, and he turns the table supernaturally. And Jesus represents the pivotal point of history. No other man on earth has influenced the nations as he has. And he preached a message here, and he was not received, and therefore he triggered the apocalypse. He triggered the hardening. He triggered that a remnant would be saved. He triggered a message that caused the people not to receive. And could it be, as God, as you read the seven, about the seven churches, the warnings to the, to the, the churches in the book of Revelation, the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, and you see this tremendous judgment being sent forth to the churches, that could it be that's happening right now? I believe so. I believe I must define this trump, this front for you. I, I must preach this to you. I must blow the shofar of warning as a watchman on the wall right now. Brothers and sisters, get your heart free. Love him passionately. Beg not to be caught up in this delusion. Love truth. Stay free from compromise. Be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. And the God of Shalom will crush Satan under your feet. Rise up as a warrior. Run to the battle. Set captives free from this terrorism threat of the fear of death of the last days. And second, understand the front that God himself is pouring out a spirit of delusion. God himself is sending prophets and prophetesses with a message that will cause people not to hear. Can you imagine standing up in a Bible school and say, okay, students, today we're going to preach a message that's going to cause you your heart to be hard. By the time you hear this message, many of you will walk out of this, this session and your hearts will be glazed over with, with a hardness that's divine from heaven. So you'll not be healed, you'll not return, you'll not repent, and you'll not see what, what God's plan for to do in the future days. Because God knows in his sovereignty who you really are in your heart. And you're being exposed and glazed over right now. We're talking about anti-church growth. We're talking about whittling it down, okay, from a thousands of warriors down to a Gideon's man. We are talking, brothers and sisters, about the real scriptural message. And I do not hear this being preached right now on the Christian entertainment, TV, um, radio, internet outlets right now. And if we're going to be a voice in the wilderness, so be it. It doesn't matter to me. All I know is my job is to warn the people, warn the people over and over that we are in perilous times. We are in dangerous times. And the times that we're in right now, it, 
It doesn't afford us any time to sit back and think by our good works and our good intentions of our heart, okay, that we're going to make it through this. If, if we do not listen to the warnings of what the prophets have, are saying, what Jesus is saying, what Paul, what Peter are saying about the last days, then God will give us over. And we'll not make it in, and he'll look for the next generation to rise up. You know, I, a couple of weeks ago with a group from California, I stood at uh, close to the rivers and desert area, at the Zen, Zen wilderness area. There's a huge mountain in the middle called uh, Har Hor, which is um, the mountain that they believe that Aaron, disobedient Aaron, brother of Moses, was buried. And it's right in front of the ascent of Aziz where the spies were sent into the promised land. Okay, and, and two came back with a good report. Ten came back with a bad report. And because they came back with a bad report, okay, they could not enter the land. They had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Can you imagine being on a death march for 40 years? Children waiting for their parents to drop dead and practicing the art of war because they're going to be the next ones to go in. The parents walking for 40 years in this desert place, in rebellion, or in, 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 in misery, in depression, because they know that they have sinned against God. And there at that place is a place we call the Valley of Dry Bones, this, this, this very rare geological formation. People, the scientists don't even know what it is. But there is these, all these round chiseled rocks, millions of them put in this one field Almost as though it's a memorial stones. And when you go to a Jewish grave, people put, they put a stone and put it on top of the grave site. Well, like all these memorial stones to the families or the individuals that could not enter the promised land because they believed the bad report. It's very interesting, brothers and sisters. Now, can this dry bones live? Hallelujah. Yes. I want God's revival. I want God's outpouring. I don't want to entertain a bunch of lukewarm, pukewarm, pansies, okay, Winnie the Pooh, milk toast messages, effeminate message in this hour. I want to hang out with the Debras and the Gideons. I want to hang out with the, the Yotams, hallelujah. I want to hang out with the, 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 the men and women of God that are being raised up in this hour that are going full force. And if so be it, if they're called to preach a certain message out of the zeal of the Lord that caused people to be offended, so be it. Because God right now is turning the table. He's, there's a switched. There's an axis happening in the church. You can see it by all the moral fallings out, all the things that are happening. The great wave of churches being waved up, raised up now with lots of people going to it that are preaching a compromised message. Brothers and sisters, we are living in a time where there's many people are falling away. Don't be one of those who fall away. So I'm here to define the front to you. Hallelujah. If you have a teachable spirit and you love truth, you've got to be brutally honest with yourself, brutally honest with one another, and brutally honest before God. Don't give in to the pressures and the testings that are upon the earth right now. Love truth. Love honesty. Hallelujah. Search the scriptures. Glory to God. Do everything he tells you to do. Glory to God. Two-thirds of the scripture for correction, only one-third for edification. Don't always seek an edifying message. Seek a message to test you and to prove you. Hallelujah! 
You know, if I want to run a marathon race, I guarantee you I'm not going to hang around the guys that just want to, you know, run 15 minutes and sit down and have drink a soda, okay? Because they don't want to push their comfort zone. I'm going to hang out with people that are going to, going to run no matter how they feel and a disciplined coaching system. Hallelujah. Glory to God to train me to endure a long-distance event. And that this isn't a long-distance event. You know, blessed are those who endure to the end. And that's what we must do right now, brothers and sisters. So this is Scott Holtz, and thank you for listening almost this hour here. But I think it warrants um, a timely message. And the message is define the front. The front is counterterrorism, and the front is God is giving people over to a delusion this hour. Be those that cry out to him not to be given over in this hour. Cry out to be hot. Cry out for him to vaporize any lukewarmness within you. Cry out, hallelujah. And he'll take care of your finances. He'll take care of your children. He'll take care of your, 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 your microcosm of existence, hallelujah. He's the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll fear no evil. Hallelujah. Let him prepare the table. Let him bring you into a place where goodness and mercy, where the food pursues you, not just follows you, pursues you. Hallelujah. Look to him. He's coming back soon. This is Scott Holtz with Rivers in the Desert. Again, we want to thank you for the generous offerings that are coming in, folks. We still have um, just just around $100,000 left to, to do these glory projects of strengthening and blessing uh, counterterrorism units here, um, doing the different secret stealth projects against counterterrorism, and also getting this message out to wake up the church. Hallelujah. And a wonderful, wonderful big fishing holes that we're involved in right now, being fishers of men and the Great Commission here. It's wonderful. Thank you for helping. I can't share much more. But again, it's all good. Jesus is being glorified. We love you guys. Stay in touch. Shalom, shalom. Thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says, if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. 
The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming running home to you now. In your name I pray. Amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.